Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and I'm so excited to actually have this person on my show today because she's someone that I've met, someone I've got to really know. She's my business partner in one of the businesses we're running together that we're going to keep moving forward by the time the show comes out. Uh, you guys will be able to actually attend a few of these trainings and get a few more things as well because she is genuinely one of the coolest people I've actually met uh, in a long time. Now, the way that we actually came uh, together was we were in a mastermind together, as many people have been on the show, and we just connected. Like, it, it was strange, because I remember the first time I met, I met you, uh, I honestly was like, okay, they're lovely, but they're doing their own thing. I don't know if I can go say hello. They're doing their own thing. I'm going to stay here with, like, the three people I know. And then at the end of, like, uh, two weeks, we connected, um, and she's just been one of my closest friends. I, I, I love this person as a client. I love them as a friend. And when I started to dig into their story, I knew I had to get them on the show. And uh, with that being said, my friend and yours, Julie Hockman. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Adil. And that's a fabulous um, opening it's few so statements that I, that I now have to live up to. <laughs> oh, come on. You can live up to these and then some. So for those that don't even really know much about you, you've had one of the most interesting lives I've actually ever read about yeah. and had the pleasure of writing about. And that is... If I get my numbers correctly, it's been 43 years that you've been working and you've literally, yeah. you've literally gone from someone that started out at 17 for the last four decades, you've gone out from 17 years old to kind of weirdly make it your mission to get to the top of everything. Like no matter what you do, you somehow seemingly seem to surpass everyone. And for the people <laughs> who listen to this, they don't really understand this. And this is the significance of where I was writing that really hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. Me making it over 40 years from that perspective, from 17, as someone of an ethnic background in a foreign country, that's difficult enough as it is. But to do it as a woman as well, I know a lot of people don't want to factor that in, but there is that factor. There was that level of sexism that women couldn't progress past a certain point, and now they can. Definitely. But Definitely. you didn't just go through that you smashed it and it all came down to like so many things so uh before we jump into any of this i gotta do the sponsor call because i forget again uh but this show is sponsored by uh clavum dot group that's c-l-a sorry dot global that's c-l-a-v-e-m dot global clavum dot global there will be a link in the description and again you can also check out julie hogbin h-o-g-b-i-n dot com it's just definitely check it out. That's a place to actually find or work with or whatever it is. Clavum is a group where you can actually get in touch with her via email. Only get in touch with her via Clavum, by the way. She won't answer anything else. Um, <laughs> but just send like horrible memes to you that you smell bad and all that kind of stuff. So you don't really want to go through it. You'll get your feelings hurt. Not that I'm speaking of experience or anything at all. Kidding. Um, but like, I'm actually very nice, everybody. She's lovely. She's genuinely one of the most loveliest people ever that's yeah, that we'll get into that later on. But essentially, one of the things I really want to kick off with and really speak about is how did you actually have that resilience in that time period? Because I believe today, we, we've got it luckier today than we've ever had in the past. But again, people don't seem to have that same resilience they used to have. So first of all, how did you build that resilience to just go for it at that such a young age? And more importantly, how do you give that advice to today, someone that's not resilient in their business? Or in their life. It's really, it's really interesting, actually. I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, you, you get to a certain age and you've, you've done what you've done and you, you are who you are. And sometimes you have to go right back to the beginning to actually 
work out what it was that got you to to be the individual that you are because everything I've been talking about it a lot over the last few days um we are just layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer from being born perfect to the person that we end up to be you know as as the adults we all become and you know one of the things AI had a very um my mother was very strong um, she would have been described what you would have described as a strong woman. Um, and she bred a strong daughter. Now that oh, doesn't yeah. mean that, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I've always been somebody who's been vocal. That doesn't mean that I've always been the person that's been at the front of the room. I used to be the wallflower. I was the child who was pushed in front of her mother into the first nursery class she went to because she could not go into a room and talk to people. Now that stuck with me till I was about 28 and because I've been thinking about it a lot just recently, but what I've also got, so I had a strong mother. I had a very calm and collect father who was a very intelligent man. And I've never stood up to my dad's intelligence in my own mind, but I've always had the, um, I know I'm intelligent, but I'm more streetwise than academically intelligent. If that makes sense. I would disagree with you. Yeah, I think I'm and beginning to disagree with myself as well now. Because you do have street smarts. You do have street yeah. smarts. I will agree with you 1,000% with that. Because you don't get to where you are today without having a little bit of street no. smart. But to say that you're not academically smart would be a lie. Because you are, you are yeah. very, you're someone that like I have, com like, so this is something that um, I apologize for everyone else listening to my show that's been on my show, whatever. I have a hard time communicating with people. Uh, and what I mean by communicating with people, it's the sense of, I usually have to dumb down my conversations a lot of the time because, uh, and I don't mean this is like business owners like yourself or my guests, it's just that the day-to-day -day people I meet in the street, you kind of have to dumb your, yourself down a little bit so you can fit in a little bit more. But yeah. you're one of those people I don't have to do that with. Like I can actually have a very genuinely fun conversation about psychographic data and how we're here as well as woo-woo stuff and then have a conversation with you about forex and training five minutes later <laughs> and it still be very, very interesting and very few people yeah, can hold my attention that way yeah that's that's and that's probably part of my journey and i've boiled some of this down to a i had the strong mother i had the calm father um i had the real combination growing up um but what i also had was a teacher at one point and i've really thought about this recently who as a very as a very young child, I was in primary school. Um, I remember him shouting and banging on a window. And at the same time he was shouting and banging on the window and talk about anchor it, I think is what happened. He actually said, there is no such word as can't. So I have always believed, even in my really quiet moments where I was the wallflower in a room and I was like back up against the wall, I have always believed that if there is something I want, I can get it. Now, that doesn't mean to say it falls in my lap, and that doesn't mean to say that I don't work towards it, because I do. But if I want something, I can make it happen. Now, again, you're coming back to the to the woo-woo thing slightly. I mean, I have been known to manifest stuff, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was manifesting. I was doing it before before I even knew that was a thing you could do. But what I've done, I've wanted something, I've wanted it so much, I've created a plan, I've taken the action, you know, I've done the things that have got me to where it was that I wanted to be, whether that be um, a job, whether that be a partner. Um, you know, I, mani I didn't manifest, I, I put 
the desire out that I wanted to have a, a, you know, a relationship and a new partner and one appeared in my life. Um, I, I have found houses doing that same thing. But it's not just about saying, oh, I want a new house. It's doing then all the actions. You know, you go to the estate agents, you look at the for sales and you make it happen. So I've never, ever believed I can't have something that I want. I've always believed, yeah, I've always believed I can have what I want and I have to work for it or I have to earn the money for it or I have to create it or, you know, I have to be in the right network or, but I've always believed I can do that. Um, and that's meant a lot of learning. That's meant um, a lot of change. That's meant a lot of personal development for me because I was the person that couldn't walk into a room of people and talk. I could not have done this interview. I would not have been happy. I wouldn't have shared me with anybody. I just wouldn't have done it. So for me, I think the resilience has come from A, believing I can, because I do, um, and B, being willing to change. I would agree. Being adaptable would be another one that I'd throw in there. Yeah. Because yeah. adaptability is a huge thing. And that's something you've been really, really good at. And it's kind of interesting because it's something I do want to discuss specifically because we were discussing it so deeply last time we spoke. Uh, it's this idea of self-awareness. Yeah. Very few, people, very few people are not self-aware. Now, I have my own definitions, of course, as I would of what self-awareness is. But like for you, how would you see self-awareness because for me it's like multiple things put together that you actually are seeing around you whereas with you how do you see it and there is something i do want to ask you specifically the three people have asked me to ask you as well oh okay um for me self-awareness is knowing i mean in its basic pure format it's knowing what drives us it's knowing what our motives are it's knowing why we do what we do and then you know knowing understanding why we react in the way we do to certain things understanding it's just understanding who we are yeah um and there's a there's a really interesting fact about this Nine, um there's been a piece of research done in 2019 um that indicates that 95 percent of the population believe they're self-aware and when um the uh, research they then conducted some more exercises it actually worked out that only 15 percent of that actually were self-aware wow i know which means that 80 percent of those people i don't that's not quite the right percentage but no, the, the sort of the gap they, yeah the the, eight, the the difference they thought they were self-aware but they're not yeah. but they it, think they are it's interesting so, how quickly you can fool yourself into believing that though yeah, without doubt, without a doubt. Um, and I think one of the biggest things linked into self-awareness is being able to accept feedback Agreed. rather than being defensive about it. Um, so not only to accept it, but to request it from people. That's, how, that's actually something a friend of mine did tell me years ago, which is strong people request feedback, weak people fear it. Don't get me wrong. There are times when I'm actually completely shitting it when I ask for feedback, but I get it and I adapt <laughs> to it because it's always from love. And yeah, so I do it too. Now the question I want to ask you actually relates to exactly what you just said. So it's serendipitously lined up. And that is, um, there are a lot of people have asked me this and saying, okay, Adel, so how do I go from being 
unaware in myself in the sense of like, or I'm self-aware enough to know that uh, I'm stuck in a loop. I'm in love with being slightly yeah. melancholic. How do I get out of it? Because that's, that's the thing that really, really frustrates people. And for me, it frustrates me for a long time. And um, surprisingly, I did it. I actually took a DNA test uh, a couple of weeks ago. I only just got the results today, which we can discuss, but it, it plays into this quite heavily. For you, what would advice would you give those people who are just saying, hey, I'm having a really hard time shifting out of being in love with failing into falling in love with success again? Whoa, that's a deep question. Oh, um, I, know. I, you know, I I told you it wasn't going to be an easy episode, this one. We were going to go deep on this one. It's, in, it's interesting. So you cannot have two thoughts of different things in your head at the same time. Yeah. So if you're if you've sort of fallen in love or if people have fallen in love with um, failure and have fallen in love with being melancholy. And this is going to, this I'm going to say, and this is the easy way to do it is to change how you think to fall in love with success and fall in love with happiness. Um, and part of how you do that is to be grateful for who you are and where you are and, and, and what you are and et cetera, et cetera. But you can't be melancholy and happy at the same time. So one of the things we need to do, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty upbeat individual and I have my moments, and especially in the last 20 months, I've had my moments of being really dark and really down. But you can't be down and happy. You can't be melancholy and happy. So one of the things is to think, this is going to sound actually quite silly, but it's oh, the truth. Well, look up, laugh at the sky, because, you know, look up, put your, your, your eyes up to the sky and laugh, because you, it, and really, truly, it lifts things. Um, smile rather than frown. Think of something that actually makes you happy, whatever that might be for you. Um, whether I mean, I wake up in the morning, if the sky's blue, the sun is shining, and I can hear the birds singing, that will immediately put a smile on my face. Wow. Um, I struggle to be down if I've got that around me. Now, living in the UK, you don't always wake up and the skies are blue. <laughs> you don't always hear the birds sing independent where you are. But the memory of that can make me smile as well. Daffodils, tater tate, you know, the first um, blooms that come through in the spring. Such a joyous colour and they come through in masses of abundance. I imagine things like that. I look at pictures of things like that if I'm having a bit of a off day. Um, and it really helps. It really helps. Surra you know, surround. I know everybody says this, but have mm. some good friends that are um, positive. Have some friends that are successful. Surround yourself. And I know everybody says this, and it's the truth. You know, yeah, surround yourself with people who are successful and happy. It rubs off. It really does. When you surround yourself with people that are sad and depressed all the time with no actual optimization, guess what? That rubs off. Uh, and I'll give you guys a perfect example of my own personal life. Uh, at one point in my life, I was actually surrounding myself with people that were kind of sad, a little bit whatever, and I realized that I started to become that way. And again, I'm yeah. putting this out in the sense of like, these are people that were exceptionally, like nothing good ever happened. Like, I don't yeah. care. Nothing good is ever worth anything. I'm like, I can't be friends with you. The moment I stepped away from that, 
and starts like, and, and this is going to sound really strange. Sometimes you might have to step away completely from those people as in like, you have to okay. like divert yourself into a completely new friend group. This could be someone that's actually really close to you. And you're like, I've got to take some time away from you. The moment you start hanging around with successful people, it's going to sound really stupid, but they will give you ideas on how to become successful. Give you guys an idea. By the time the show comes out, uh, bjjmasterclass.com should be up and loaded and live. If it isn't, then it means we hit a snafu in a snag. But that's basically the project I'm working on, where it's basically becoming a publishing house for jiu-jitsu instructors around the world to actually publish their courses through us. We're going to take care of everything for them, and we have a lovely little split deal. But that would never have come up if I didn't have that conversation with an entrepreneurial friend while I was going through a down period. And his response was, why aren't you just using your skills in an area where no one else is using their, your skills? Like, oh, there's a whole market there that no one's actually like really understood the same way. And granted, you know, anyone else that's like, ooh, I can do that too. Bring it on, buddy. I'm going to crush you. Just the way it's – there's a reason I'm going into yeah. it. We're going full forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's uh, I think it's really interesting. You know, you I I I was once on a um, a property investment training program, which had cost uh, I think it was fifteen thousand pounds. I got it discounted, but I know someone else had paid fifteen thousand pounds for it. And it was a year long program. They Wait, didn't attend. Oh, this was back in probably two thousand and eleven. Um, oh my god! This, yeah. No, keep I going because no, no, there's a reason. Keep going. Oh, okay. But the person that had paid the 15000 didn't attend a single day of a program they had paid £15,000 mm-hmm. for. And that's the true story. I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to tell you who it was. Oh. But I remember talking to them and saying, you've paid fifteen. you you've paid, oh. No, you're still there. You're still there. Yeah. You've paid £15,000 for this. Why have you not attended a single day? No reason, no reason at all. And I mean, that taught me a massive lesson. I've been talking to somebody this week, um, people are signing up for masterminds and signing up for courses. Um, and they've got all the really good ideas at the beginning and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that and they're gonna put it forward in a business plan. They're gonna do this and they're gonna do that. And they don't do it. Yep, no, I'm guilty of that one. You know, the fallout, the fallout rate is massive on, on people saying they want something and then actually going towards it it's the fallout rate is huge yeah and, you actually, know and i've done it. you know don't get me wrong i've, I've been I there I've we've, done all, it. we've all done it i think what it is it's actually down to the fear like for me right now it's always been the yeah. case of like i'm more fearful of what could happen than actually trying to stay and that's just a bad way of thinking which i'm shifting but the reason i was giggling when you said that um if it's who i think it is as a company I may have been the copywriter that wrote that ad that got people there. If it's who I think it is as a company, but we can't reveal it because if I reveal it, no. it's not them. But to put it at ease, I did, this was my first big win I had when I was 19 was to write for a company in the UK that did a 15,000 pound a year mentorship. It was 15 grand for a year where you do all the courses. Uh, and this is in 2008 slash 2009 slash 2010. And it was 15 grand. And that's when it basically went out. I only got the first week of sales, by the way. I think they kept running it for the next two years, but I was I never got the results for it. So if it is that, not, you might have actually signed up to one of my courses with one of the courses with one of my letters. Well, I tell you what, I it, um, it wasn't the best program I ever attended. And I've attended a few through the years because you do, you know, I constantly, 
definitely um, learn and up, upgrade myself. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but because of because of the way the whole thing was run, I actually um, did invest. I did get all of my money back on my first investment. I got all of my money back plus. Nice. Um, I also learned a lot of like how you don't do it. <laughs> That's always a smart way of doing things. Yeah. And it was also my first entry into the entrepreneurial world coming out of corporate. Wow. I did, you know, when I left um, corporate in 2011, I didn't even know I could own two houses. I thought I could only own one because I didn't know. Yeah. You know, so it taught, it taught me a lot. It really yeah, does. It's, it's one of the craziest things is how much you get taught on um, from actual experience and what you can do and what you can't do. Because once the glass ceiling is broken, the sky is the next limit. And then again, you've got the next glass ceiling or the next glass ceiling or the next glass ceiling. And speaking yeah, of glass ceilings, what I wanted to discuss with you specifically, because uh, you have an extensive background of training. <laughs> and I am That's not exaggerating. That is not true. You have gone through so many training courses. I don't even remember. Like you're in a, you're a certified trainer for most people. Like, that's the crazy <laughs> part. It's like, oh yeah, I'm good. It's like, oh, have you heard of Wealth Dynamics? Yeah, I'm a certified trainer. For, well, what? How? <laughs> oh, I know what it means. You still need to tell me what mine means and the way, like, where my career should be going because that's kind of like the area I was looking at. But specifically, uh, I also know you worked with T. Harvecka on his kind of stuff. Yeah, so my question is like with T, uh, T Hard that good stuff, his stuff is massively on mindset. My curiosity is like, what is it that is so different about his mindset that makes him so prepared for success than say the average person? Oh, um, from what I'm you've not seen. sure. Right. Okay. I'm not sure. So him compared to the average person. Yeah, like, or even think, more so anyone that goes through the training that succeeds with T. Harvecker's training versus the average person. Well, see, I think this is the whole interesting thing. I think the thing that puts him um, above other people is that he actually does what he says he does. He puts it into action. Yeah. He um, deals with his own... He has dealt with his own belief systems. He has, he took the opportunities, you know, when, when he, I mean, he, he started his own um, business selling um, uh, gym equipment when selling gym equipment wasn't the thing to do. You know, the fitness industry hadn't risen to where it is now. And he created a marketing campaign that got people queuing around the block. So I think the thing with him is, is that he, you know, and he's made money, lost it, made money, lost it. So that, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, um, I think the thing with him is, is that he actually did what he said he did. Yeah. So he was authentic to himself and he made it happen, but he took the action. He created plans. Um, you know, he got on stage, he spoke around the world. And for anybody that saw him do his three day um, millionaire uh, master three-day program when he was training with or when he was on stage from success resources anybody that actually got to see him do it that was a very very special program with him training it and it's still good now because it gives you all the tools and the thought processes around what your relationship is with money um, but to see him on stage do it it's phenomenal and I do, and, you know, and, and I'm sure he's pulled all sorts of things together from all sorts of different places. You know, I truly don't believe there's an original idea. It's all a, 
an adaptation or a pulling together of um, other people's information, you know, whether it be Warren Buffett or um, the richest man in Babylon or some financial experts information on how you invest, you know, it, it, it you pull it together from various places. Yeah. Um, he, he was pretty, he's special. He is special. I can imagine he would be. Like, he just yeah. seems like that type of guy. He's someone that I'd love to interview because I think he'd be quite fun to talk to as uh, on a show. Though I actually also have a feeling that, like, my show would not become my show anymore. My show would be like, I'm going to ask T. Harvaka one question and shut up for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, I think you could be right there. I feel like he would be that type of guy. I'm like, yeah. dude, I got to get a question in here. <laughs> oh, no? Okay, you got it covered. Cool, no worries. We'll keep going. I'll just shut up here and just walk away from the camera for a little bit. Just hear me like blending stuff in the background, making a meal, yeah. and then come back. It's like, oh, are we still doing this? He hasn't noticed I've gone yet. It's kind of cool. <laughs> now, one of the things I really want to like dive into specifically, and the reason I keep coming about, so, there's so many things about mind and mindset and stuff, and it, it all comes down to this idea of the triangle of uh, self-awareness, and one of them is confidence. Yes. And yes. confidence, it, in my opinion, uh, com- the, the opposite of confidence isn't being unconfident or fearful. It's actually a lack of courage. Because confidence yeah. is a sense of, despite conventional, whatever it is, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to feel a certain way. Yeah. And uh, I've suffered with this, as you know, and so many other people have. My curiosity to you as an idea, and it's a three-part question, so I'll ask all three and then we'll like, dive through all of them. The first part is, what if you have a disconnect internally with how you show up in everyone? So everyone else thinks that you're confident, but you don't believe that you are. Like you just project yourself as confident, but it's just you being you, but you don't feel confident. How do you unite that gap there? The second would be if you don't have confidence, how do you start building confidence? And the third would be um, a case of how do you make sure that once you actually reach, reach a level of confidence, you maintain and keep it up? Because once you achieve it, you, it just doesn't stay with you forever. It has to be constantly renewed. Otherwise you doubt and self-doubt takes away all confidence. Um. I know. I th- I'm throwing like heavy, yeah. heavy questions yeah. at you, but there is a reason. It's because like, guys, okay, so here's the thing. I can ask these questions to so many other experts and I have done. Julie is the only one that I know that will basically sit there and be like, I'm going to think of a real fucking answer and give you a real answer. <laughs> and I am. If anybody could see me now, I've got my head on the side. Yeah, she's, um, got, she's got that whole like JD looking into the sky oh, kind of thing. Um, Right. Okay. So you can project confidence and not be confident. Yeah, as in like, so... So yeah. you, sorry, I'll just give you a perfect example of this. Say, for instance, you're at a seminar and or you're at a workshop and you meet everyone or if we're at Mastermind and everyone's like, oh, hey, whatever it is. And they're like, wow, you seem really confident. But in your head, you're like, why do I seem confident? I don't think I'm confident. What's going on here? Like, why does everyone think I'm confident, but I don't feel it? Right. Um, I think that's your self-talk going on. Yeah. Because my true belief, my true belief is that, you know, so you've got phrases like fake it till you make it, which I don't like. But actually, no, I I don't agree with it either. But the one way to become confident is to try things out, to learn more about yourself and then to try things out. So um, one of the things that, um, because I was never confident in a group of people ever, not in a million years. And one of the things I started to do was go to a networking meeting and rather than... um, go in and not talk to anybody i would go in i'd go to where the tea and the coffee or the water was there's always somebody lurking (laughs) who's less confident than we are 
um, and I'd strike up a, com a conversation with them because I could see from my perspective that they were handling it. They, they had, they, it was harder for them to, to talk to someone. So that's how I did it in that respect. And then I would um, go and talk to the person that was on their own. Now, sometimes that got a bit boring because you'd end up talking to the person that nobody else wanted to talk to. Um, but it was, it was one way of learning. But the thing for me, from what you said, so if, people, if you are projecting yourself as confident and people are telling you that you are confident, A, they're telling you how you feel, which is not, it's wrong, because they don't know how you feel um, because they're not you. So the only thing they, anybody, the only thing anybody can ever really truly give you feedback on is how you behave. So if they said to you, well, when you walked into the room, you smiled, you came up and spoke to me, that led me to believe you were confident. You then know as the individual, the behaviors that you're demonstrating that leads people to think you're confident. The more you do those behaviors and the more you get good at doing those behaviors, the internal voice when we talk to it nicely, acknowledges and recognises that by doing this, I am seen as confident. Oh, I'm, I can do that. I'm good at that. And that then feeds back in. But what's going on, one of the biggest things for us as humans is that we are, I'm going to say hardwired, not all of us, but a lot of us are hardwired not to accept praise and not to accept compliment. Yeah. So we look on the, we look on the negative rather than the positive. So again, it's a mind switch um, that when somebody says, oh, you're confident, thank you. Then you, and if, and generally, and this is what I used to do, what, what have I done that led you to believe that? And I'll ask for the feedback. You don't always like what you hear and people don't always deliver feedback very well. But if you ask for it, you can then learn what it is that you do that leads people to, to describe as that. Now, the other thing with this is, confidence is a perception of a set of behaviors yeah so true story i was running um many years ago running a training program on assertiveness for a group of people in a certain industry and i described confidence which for me is um being able to express opinions um asking questions answering questions walking into a room saying hello uh, and it was a business situation smiling at somebody you didn't know i mean it was pretty basic stuff on, on what for this group of people confidence would be and they were shocked and I said to them like, you know something along the lines of I can see you're not really taking what I'm saying as as you know as confidence how do you see or how would you describe the behaviors I'm demonstrating <clears throat> and their answer was aggressive really yeah wow. so confidence is a perception Hmm. And it's a perception for all of us. It's interesting we went with uh, aggressive of all things, because that's uh, so fun stories. So I was at a wedding. Uh, I was at my friend's wedding the weekend before we did this, and um, I always find it interesting when people say someone is assertive or dominant or uh, aggressive in how they are, because all the like aggressive in particular kind of breeds this whole like ah you're coming on to attack, move away. But in reality, aggressive could literally mean that you're very intense. And what I mean by very intense is just like, you're not intense towards them. You're just, you're, you live by a very strict code of ethics that you conduct yourself in. And for people who are not used to it, that could seem like that's very rigid. That's very intense. When in reality, for you, it's like, this is just my life. 
So there's no but reason see, to like see, go it's all, on. it's all this perception. Um, the word aggressive, the word assertive, the word confidence is a label. Yeah. It's a label that we commonly use and expect everybody to have the same understanding of the word that we do. Yes. And yeah. we don't all have the same meaning of the same word. So I was describing assertive for that particular group of people. The way they described those behaviors was aggressive. Yeah. So I said to them, I may, it's so clear in my head, this was a number of years ago. So I said to them, it's okay, so do, so do you see me as aggressive? And they said, no. So I said, well, okay, so the behaviors I'm describing, I do all of the time, you know, in inappropriate settings. So are you telling me that you think I'm aggressive? And they said, no, you're really helpful. <laughs> so I said, okay. So can we change the word assertive then? So the, the, lab, the behaviors I'm describing, we'll relabel them helpful. <laughs> Would that work for you? And a few of them said, yes. You know, it's... so I can't, we, we, all, we all have our own meanings to the words, yes. which we all, a lot of us think everybody has the same interpretation and we just don't. We really don't. It's, it's so powerful how to see how our own meanings shape others' realities as well as yeah, our own realities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I have to go sit down and write down what the word confidence means to me. That's going to be fun. <laughs> God damn, I've got more homework. <laughs> I'm just glad it's a Thursday because my Thursdays uh, are one of those days of the week that I've actually, I, I spoke to Nick, Nick Nanton about this earlier uh, on another episode. Uh, Thursdays for me are a non-writing day. Wow. And they were like, why? I was like, because I try and do all my podcasts on just one day, which is Thursdays. And if I'm yeah, writing, it's great. I, I love writing. And everyone knows, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a talented writer, but like, lately, my, my, as you've seen on Facebook and other places, my posts are getting shared. People are actually like, oh, you can do this. I'm like, it's quite nice to actually hit that point. Yeah. But the situation I'm finding that's quite interesting for me is Thursdays for some reason, I just want to sign off and chill out. It's the reason I try and do as little, I try and just do my, my show here because it's up because I usually have uh, shows until 9 p.m. UK time. Um, so I start around 10 a.m. till 9. So I've got 11 hours of recording in a day. Sometimes I fill all 11 okay. hours. Yeah, I know. Sometimes you need to I only teach have... me how to do that, deal for my podcast. <laughs> oh my God. It's, you know what? If you, it, Actually, would that be valuable to you if I actually shared that on here, how I actually get so many podcasts in a day? Like while maintaining energy, because I, I don't, I, I sometimes, I think the most I've done in a day was 13 podcasts. I had 13 straight 13? shows in a day. Um, I, I, I was you're a bit of a machine, Adil. Oh, <laughs> when, it, when, when I get to places, I can. I, this is the other thing as well. So I'm going to discuss this with copy in a moment as well. Because um, I have an inbuilt in engine for this kind of thing in my head, and I'll explain how I got there. So essentially what it was, are you still there, by the way? Julie? I think we lost Julie. I'm going to pause for just a second. Sorry, Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Sorry, guys. We just basically had a bit of a tech glitch, so uh, <laughs> I had to go ahead and sort that out, which is fine. So we're all good. So I was going to say was, would it be helpful to actually share with you how I get as much done for podcasting in the day or copywritten in the speed that I do? Yes, it would. It would okay. very definitely help. <laughs> so the problem that I have is uh, I, like to I like to claim it as uh, channeling chaos or like, bring in chaos okay. into an area because that's what it is. My brain focuses more on chaos and works in chaos than it does anything else. And this comes back down to my DNA type, which uh, there's a company called DNA fit. A uh, quick shout out to those guys. 
dnafit.com, um, they basically, I sent them a swab of my, um, my DNA. Okay. What they actually found was that my, my type, they're like, no, you only seem to work best in high stress situations. Like if you're not in a high stress situation, you don't work as well as you could. Like the moment you hit that, it's like most people crumble. It's just for you, you rise. Like the moment there's a high stress state status, you just rise to the occasion. I don't know why that is. So it's like I recommend I put myself in them frequently, which is both healthy so and unhealthy. you do it on purpose? No, I wish I did it on yeah, purpose. No, no. If your day in it, see, I was listening to David Hawkins' book on um, the selfish gene. Oh, I haven't heard that. I haven't read that yet. It's it's a bit, um, but he and he was. He, they talk about DNA and they talk about. Um, oh, they talk about how it's all made up. So you must have, I can't remember how they describe it. It's something to, is it filials or lilials? Or someone will probably go, Julie, get it right. Um, we, right here. We, <laughs> we take bits of, um, we take bits of all our forebears and they all come down and they're positive and negative and how they mix and, and mold together. Yeah, epi- epigenetics, so di- essentially. Yeah, so if your DNA... Now, okay, okay, so now, I, now, I've, now I've said that, and I'm like, how can your DNA tell you that you operate better under stressful situations? Interesting. So is that your DNA, or is that you, is that you knowing that you get more achieved if you're under too much, if you're under a lot of pressure? See, I wish that was the case because I thought that was true, but I was reading my report because I haven't actually spoken to these people. The only thing I've done is actually send them a DNA swab. And apparently the way that they did it, I'm kind of like going off basis what they did, which is they test your cortisol levels in your DNA based on um, different strains. That was, like basically, how does, your, uh, how does your blood change? How does your DNA change based around different stress um, factors that are basically shown to it? But I don't know how it goes, but that made the most sense for me when I was reading it. I was like, that is actually my life. Like anytime I'm in a stressful situation, I don't know how to back down. I just kind of like head down, clench your mouth and go forward. That's how I just, that, that's what it is. So do you, way, know, do you know what? That could actually become an addictive behavior though. It is an addictive behavior. It's you have to be very careful. That doesn't become the habit. That's actually the habit I'm in the process of breaking, believe it or not. While ah. we're speaking, like actually seeing it today was a nice little thing. So as soon as I saw it, I messaged my therapist like, look, I finally found the answer. We need to stop this. <laughs> so I got a call with him in a couple of days. But realistically, what I was going to get at was how I get so much done in a day. And just to give you guys an idea, on Thursdays, sometimes I'm lucky. I only have three interviews to do. Sometimes I'm really lucky. Sometimes I only have one which is lovely. I still take the day to enjoy myself. Like that is usually my, my day off. I don't really do anything too strenuous. And there is a reason to it. It's because, um, and this all comes down to like how I write. Once I get, uh, so Abraham Lincoln said that he spends, if you were to tell him to cut down a tree, he'd spend most of his time sharpening his ax. Yes. And the reason is because once the ax is sharp, it's just a swift cut right through. Yeah. The same goes for writing anything. I spend more time in research and understanding meditation because my whole thing is it does piss a lot of people off. I am fully aware of how many people I pissed off with this. Uh, case in point, I had a client back in December say this to me. They're like, I swear to God, if you weren't as brilliant as you were, I'd strangle you. <laughs> I had a client say that to me. And the funny thing was that the moment I delivered on it, like I delivered the what they needed, um, 
the most insane thing happened because because I was writing my own control beta. So I basically written one piece. I was writing a second piece. It all comes down to this preparation. So I was like meditating, meditating about like, how do I get to this thing? How do I find this thing? How do I find this thing? In the end, I actually found the most perfect story hook I could ever ask. Their conversion rate quadrupled overnight because wow. of one change. So while my client was like, if you weren't so as good as you were, I'd strangle you. And then like, the next day they send me a message going, by the way, I was just playing. Thank you so much for what you've just done. It's kind of incredible. I'm like, thank you. You're welcome. It happens. I make it look like I know what I'm doing. When reality is like, oh my God, what do I do? And the idea comes. But how you get like these podcasts done at high energy all throughout the day is um, I give myself about five minutes between each show. So if I have like a lot of shows, like, it's between five and 15 minutes. That's the way that my calendar books. It gives me a 15 minute dead time to recover Usually at that point, I need water, I need to go to the bathroom, and I need to eat something. Um, but the way that I find that I get the most energy when interviewing people is I lean into the fact that I have ADD. I, I don't run away from it. So routinely, I tell my guests, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm listening to you 100%, but sometimes you'll see my eyes wandering off camera if I'm on camera. You'll see me look at other things. It's not that I'm not listening to you. I'm actually 100% engaged with you. It's just the fact that when I start looking at you, I start analyzing my brain, starts to shut down. It's really annoying. So they understand. Um, so how you do that at that speed is that like, if you're doing your own show by yourself and you've not got guests, because if you've got guests, have preparation, know exactly yes. what you want to talk about. Don't send them questions. Don't have pre-canned questions. Have an idea of where you want the show to go and then ask what comes up naturally because you're having yeah. conversations. Those are far more easier to do than questioning people. Um, and when it comes down to the idea of... Uh, if you're doing your own show where you're the only person that's doing the show, what I would do is get, I would get 11 post-it notes and I'd write down on each post-it note, three things I want to cover on that one episode. Yeah. And then I just go for it. I just start like every episode, just hit the mic, go bam, 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 bam. I've got the three things I need done, done. I can do the next one. And interestingly enough, that's also how you actually get, um, you also get really good content from it as well. Like it's a great way of building up a crap load of content <laughs> and writing a book. Great way of writing a book. Yeah, I, I did. I did that for uh, when I wrote my book. I spoke a lot of it because I'm not a typist, but I did speak a lot of it. Um, yeah. And it and it works. It's much, 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 much quicker. Yeah. Much quicker. Yeah. Uh huh. So I, I did want to ask, because where we're at right now in the conversation, I did want to ask this, because you've read so many, um, you've read so many books, you've, you know, listened to all your books, you've, you've attended so many trainings and so, and so many other places. Yeah. I'd have to say, usually I tell people to give me five, but for you, I'm going to ask for 10 recommendations that you would give to anyone that's going, like, do you be like, look, these are the 10 things I want you to read to help your business or your mind just grow in a way that you, that has been massively impactful. And the best way I can actually give this is imagine you're talking to your, to your niece, your nephew, your child, whoever it is, like the most important person that the 18 years old and they're like, right. What do I need to read? What would be those 10 things? Right. Um, I'm writing a list. I'm trying to get more. Right. Okay. It has to be the millionaire mind by T. Harvecker. Okay. Has we'll start there. Has to be that one. Um, really short, really quick, really easy read. Um, I would say who moved my cheese. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of a classic, but it's about change and how, if you're um, 
fleet of foot and adapt to change, you'll, you'll succeed versus those that just stay in the same place. Yeah. Um, I would say, and I've only actually just recently read this one, but because of the story is the richest man in Babylon. Um, I think that's a, a, a good one. That's a great book. Yeah, and I've only just read that one, but I think that would be one of the foundations. Um, if you want to do anything with leadership and management, I would read The Leadership Challenge by Kuzners and Posner. Mm -hmm. um, I would read Cialdini's Influence, yep. Seven Factors of Influence. Um, I mean, is that one, two, three, four, five? I would read... Um, I'll tell you what I bought a little while ago, um, and I haven't finished reading it yet because I read books in bits and I put them down and then pick them up again. That's um, right. There's a book, and I don't know who's written it, but it's called um, 50 Psycho Psychologies. And what they've done, they've taken the 50 key psychological breakthrough, um, Hold breakthrough on. pieces like of work. Is it like a brown outlined book and like it's kind of cut, it's like got a black cover on it with uh, a brain? No, this is, okay. uh, the spine is blue and white. I'm looking, I'm seeing it on my, um, on my. Is it psychology shelf. classics or? It's something, yeah, it's 50, I think it is 50 psychology classics, but it's, it's like they've, oh yeah, the first one you've got there. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's, it's by uh, Tom someone. I'm going to just bring that up. Yeah, uh, but that gives you the psychological icon. knowledge in, in little little snippets. So I'd do that one. Um, I would do... What else would I do? Uh, I would read... Um, Tom, not Tom, um, coaching, there's a coaching book by the founder of um, coaching in the UK, uh, Whitmore, written by a guy called Whitmore. That's very good. It gives you loads and loads of questions. Um, I'll find out what that book title is. I think it's coaching and uh, it's coaching leadership. Let's see. Is it John Whitmore? Yes. Okay. So John Whitmore, he's got a ton coaching of books in coaching. For yeah. Um, Coaching for performance? Yes, that's the one. Because in that one, you get a whole load of questions because not many people know how to ask questions. I'd put, I'd read three. that one. So one, two, three, four, five, six, that's seven. Um, three more. I'd have to add my own book in there, Life Changing Magic of Setting Goals, because I think it's fabulous. That's I eight. Too. Yeah, that's eight. <laughs> I would agree. Um, now, I could easily say something like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, but I'm not going to say that. Um, I'm trying to think of more maybe of the the ones that are... Oh, Eat, eat, that, eat My Frog. Eat That Frog by uh, eat, Brian yeah. Tracy. Yeah, Eat That Frog. That's a good one. Really easy, really simple about mm -hmm. getting, you know, getting over the thing that's, that you're stuck on. Oh, I know one. Richard Koch, K-O-C-H, the 80-20 rule. Ooh, that's a pretty top principle. I love that. Uh, I'll add one yes. more book to this. Go for it. Seth Godin, What to Do When It's Your Turn, and It's Always Your Turn. Ah, uh, okay. It's a good book. I've been getting through that lately. It's a really, really good read. Yeah. Uh, short, um, it, it's just a big book, but it's not a lot of pages. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's lots, but I think for different things, for different folk, oh, for different... And, you know, you can always go back to the old classics, and sometimes the newer ones are just as good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you know, the classics are just you've got, as good as the old ones. Yeah. You've got a 21st century take on it or something. Or okay. just additional information, because, you know, if you think about all the, all the advancements in, um, you know, the science of the brain, as much as the old books are great, they don't always have what stops you getting to where you want to be in them. And some of the newer ones do. Yeah. I would not disagree with that. Yeah, uh, it's actually good. very powerful. And one of the questions I really wanted to ask, particularly with this, uh, right before we wrap up the show, mm-hmm. one of the things that like really ha- like helps a lot of entrepreneurs, and I've asked so many people this as well, it's the case of when life kind of kicks you when you're down, like it just keeps going at you. Like there's no relenting of it. And everyone has faced that at least one point in their life where, you know, it just feels like it's insurmountable, constant pressure. How do you not lose your head in something like that? Because you could lose your shirt, but as long as you keep a calm head, you can always win it back. The question is, how do you keep that calm cultivation in your head that everything's going to be okay? Oh, you see, I see this, this is actually quite easy for me. Um, and I've probably been through some of the worst times in my life in the last 20 months, but I, I look at things analytically. Um, I don't, I don't let the emotional turmoil I'm going through, get the better of me. Um, so I think if you can analyze from the objective perspective rather than the subjective perspective of emotion. So if you use the objective of fact and evidence, um, and I'm going to say it, and I said it right at the beginning, and then you can look at it in that cold, hard light of day and create a sort of a plan, you know, even if it's one step and then another step and another step um, and connect with people and, you know, depend on what the thing is, get help, ask for help. Yeah. That's a big one that a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Ask for help. Tell people, tell people that you're going through some tough times and, you know, and if, if when things are good and this comes back a little bit to the gratitude thing, but if when things are good, you are a giving and you're a, you know, you're a good individual and you do good and you, and you make good happen. Um, when you are going through that bit of a tough time, you'll find people will step up and help you. Um, now I'm going to say that the tough time can't be constant tough time because I think people are, people potentially will go, but you've been in a tough time for the last 20 years or something, you know? Um, I think if you can get the good times and then when you hit the tough people, people are help. It's telling people, it's talking to people. Um, and, and I'm going to say logically, because this is what, this is what really helps me. I take myself out of the emotion and I go into the logical analysis of what do I need to do? How do I do what I need to do? How can I make this better? What do I have to do? And sometimes what I have to do is not what I want to do, but it's what I need to do. And there's a big difference between need and want. Massively. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And something you said really like resounded with me there, which was, um, you can be in a tough time for 20 years and we know people that have been in tough times for a long time. doesn't mean every section of their life has been tough. Just you only yes. hear about it when it is tough. Yes. What I mean to say is that like, get good at ask, about talking about the good and the bad. 
Like the good yes. and the bad definitely help. Like inspire people. And that's something I, I mean, you've seen my Facebook posts. Yes, they've been tough times here and there, but like there are good yeah. times in those tough times as well. I'm like, nope, yes. there's going to be happiness. The happier you are, the more that you'll make. And that's just the truth of life. Yes. Now, uh, what I'd say is like any last pieces of advice that right before we actually wrap up, because we've got a couple of minutes left. Oh, do you know what? I think, I mean, for me, it's, it's talking to people. It's building the relationships, talking to people and being self-aware, which is where it all boils down to, you know, the, the self-aware, the internal stuff drives us. So understanding who we are more um, then helps us, the internal stuff and understanding that then helps us with the external stuff. I say stuff, it's a technical word for me because there's so much. Yeah, I, um, I think we've all just pretty much, we're all good. Yeah, um, just look at, the more you understand you and, and who you are, the greater the impact is and the greater results you can get, without a doubt. I mean, that's my final, you know, learn who you are, whoever you is listening to this. Just, you know, do the profiling test, get the debriefs, find out what you are, who you are, where you come from. You know, take the opportunities to do those sorts of things. Um, it, it works. It certainly worked for me, you know. Agreed. It helps, it, it helps for a lot of people. And hey, if you ever lose your way, you can always find your way back in. Yes, definitely. And that's what people definitely. don't don't remember is you can always find your way back in yeah yeah and that's really, really powerful but guys definitely go check out and i would suggest this one last piece of advice is if uh if you ever like look at it you can actually go check out julie's training programs there'll be links in the description below you can go check out julie's um training programs as well that she does in person live and also more importantly yeah. i will say this much i'm going to be there at a couple of these so you can come say hi and meet me if you want to uh, but yeah, you're, you're always going to get the absolute most with her. She's absolutely brilliant. She always brings it. That being said, guys, please rate, subscribe, review. If you've got anything that's absolutely brilliant as the biggest takeaway from this episode, please go ahead and tell us about it because we love reading about it. And go and have yourself a great weekend. You know, enjoy yourself. It's, it's a great time. <laughs> yes, All right. definitely, definitely. Take care, guys. Have an amazing day and an amazing weekend. Speak soon. Yeah. Bye. And from me too. Bye for now. <laughs>